For MeetPoultry.com, I'm Ryan McCarthy, Digital Media Associate Editor. Retail meat sales have continued to grow exponentially during the coronavirus pandemic. This has led consumers to buy up beef, chicken, and pork, but also lamb has seen a major increase. That's why in this episode of the podcast, we reached out to California-based Superior Farms CEO Rick Stott to see how his business is handling this situation. We started by discussing varying business trends on a day-to-day basis, including the massive change in food service demand. Then we tackle what it takes for Superior Farms to shift its operation from splitting it between food service and retail to now focusing mainly on retail for several weeks. Then we look at how the company is emphasizing social distancing measures at their plants and keeping all facilities sanitized as possible. Finally, Stott mentions how the company attempts to handle the influx of lamb needed for the Easter holiday, a major day for Superior, regardless of the circumstances. Take a listen. The first question I wanted to ask you, Rick, was tell me a little bit about the, the major factor that's changed in your business now that we're all dealing with uh, the coronavirus outbreak. Yeah, absolutely. The, the, the major factor that is obvious to, I think, everybody, and has certainly affected us, is the, is the demise of the food service industry. You know, the restaurants closing creates a massive problem for the entire economy and people being out of work and everything else. But of course, a lot of lamb is consumed in restaurants. So right. That's a, that is a significant hit. So two weeks ago, for example, we literally walked in on a Monday morning and our major food service customers called us and said, hey, don't ship us anything more. Uh, and uh, so we go from, you know, going doing very well to doing nothing uh, virtually in 24 hours. And so that's a major disruption, obviously. And the second component of that is on the flip side, the retail went crazy. Right. And they doubled their doubled their orders overnight. And uh, so we had to shift from uh, food service production to, to retail production to try to meet their needs at the retail level. I think, you know, the one thing that I've been really amazed at is what doesn't change. And that is, you know, our owner employees, we're an ESOP. So we have all of our employees are owners of this company and the commitment that they've made uh, to being at work uh, to um, really focus on uh, meeting the needs of our customers has really been impressive to me. Uh, the 450 folks that, that are in Superior Farms and their commitment. We see so many stories of people not being able to come to work or uh, people that uh, just don't want to come to work for fear. And of course, we've done a lot to make sure that the, that they're safe when they're at work and increased our biosecurity in a pretty significant way to make them comfortable that, uh, that when they're at work, that they have limited amount of risk to being infected with COVID-19. Right. So, you know, and we've done a lot to communicate with them uh, over the last couple of weeks and really trying to keep them up to date. So really the backbone of, of what we've seen is our, of course, our owner employees, but uh, we try to, really meet the very dynamic changing needs of our customers. Right. That's the biggest change. 
Sure. And, and that's kind of what I wanted to dive into. And I've been hearing that a lot from other companies. Can you tell me what it takes for you guys when you're, you know, whatever percentage of your business is based on food service versus retail, when you have to shift it now um, pretty dramatically for the next few weeks at least? Yeah. You know, the biggest, the biggest change is really what we're providing to our customers in the form of what we're providing them. So, uh, you know, in, in the food service, they take boxes of product, they cut it down, they make chops themselves, they season it, they do whatever. And so a lot of the fab work uh, is directed uh, towards the food service side of the equation. So when that disappears, then all of a sudden the, the case-ready product that we produce for our customers is at a higher demand. So that case-ready group uh, is, uh, is tasked to meet you know, double the amount of product that we typically process through that side of the business. So it's really a, a shift in which segment of the business uh, needs more folks. And in some cases, some equipment that needs to be redirected or, uh, or, or managed more efficiently. So uh, that that's really been the biggest challenge is just that dynamic of the product that's going out the door. From your from your uh, numbers, have you seen something similar to chicken, beef, and pork um, with with the lamb numbers now? Is it is it just become an exponential number in in retail where you've just you've seen something that you just haven't seen in a while and and ever maybe? Oh, that that's absolutely right. It, it, it's it's multiples. It's and it's complete disruption of the supply chain uh, from their perspective, which you know we sympathize to them and we're working very closely with our customers to make sure that they know what uh, is is coming to them and where they need it the most and really from a you know transportation standpoint to a, a lamb supply standpoint to our production facility itself all of those have to be coordinated to make sure that the limited resources that we have can can really maximize the, the product to them and, and meet their needs so the other part of this is really interesting is the disruption that is being, it, it, what is being created in the disruption of the retail side. We're seeing customers that we haven't talked to and interest in our product that we haven't seen in the past. And I think that flows back to the consumer uh, as well in, in that the consumer has an opportunity to be at home, uh, have to feed the kids three right. meals a day. Um, and so they're looking for variety and, you know, one of the one of the really interesting things with lamb over the last several years, we've seen a nice growth in demand for lamb, and uh, and a lot of it is stemmed from the fact that people want to have some variety in what they're eating, and lamb is one of the best variety proteins in the United States, and so uh, consumers are exploring it, and I think this disruption in the in the regular proteins uh, has kind of redirected some of these consumers to our product. And so uh, some of our retailers that have loyalty programs and can track consumers are telling us that uh, there are new consumers that uh, are coming to us and are buying lamb uh, in this last few weeks. So that's, you know, longer term, it's kind of exciting because we know when people get lamb and eat lamb that they, uh, they get excited about it and come back for Right. Can you tell me a little bit about 
your whole uh, retail structure a little bit. Are you guys mainly focused around California, the West Coast? Is that specifically where you're, you're mostly, most of your supply chain uh, lies to? Uh, no, uh, actually, we we uh, are a national. We, we distribute across the entire nation. Uh, we service and provide lamb for some of the biggest retailers in the in the country, and uh, so we across the country we have we have customers. Our supply uh, we pull from as far east as uh, as Iowa, and uh, but the the most of the supply comes from the western states. Uh, but we have, you know, about uh, about uh, 800 producers that we buy from. 175 are what we call our lo- our loyal producers, uh, and they uh, about 175 of those folks uh, we buy lambs from them every single year and for decades. And so uh, it, it it's a variety geogra- geogra- geographically uh, very diverse. Hear from the experts in the industry on the Meat and Poultry Podcast. The latest news, trends, technologies, and people in the world of meat and poultry processing delivered right into your ears. Listen every Friday and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Going back to to some of the operational stuff, and I know you mentioned some things that have to shift. Is there anything specifically that has to be done for for anything uh cutting wise of meat or anything like that when it when now it's all going to retail opposed to food service um any anything with with cutting of the lamb or, or meat or, or of, of that part of the operation yeah absolutely uh, you know most of our retail customers want case ready product these days some still have butchers in their in the retail shops and so we'll send them boxed lamb and Away they go. But most of our retailers are in case ready, which means that uh, each individual cut uh, is priced and packaged so that they can take the the box in and just you know put it on the shelf, and it's already priced and labeled and everything else. So yeah, the packaging is is typically uh, much different, more further processed in retail than in food service. Gotcha. Um, and I know you mentioned earlier the steps you guys are taking uh, to ensure safety of everybody that's working there. What what are the extra steps that you guys are you're taking to make sure everything's uh, more clean, more sanitized, uh, things like that? You know, the first part of it really starts with the people themselves, and we've spent a lot of time emphasizing the importance of of our own employees uh, being healthy when they come to work. So, you know, we've had we have a very strict policy and. Uh, that says if you're not feeling well in any at any level for whatever reason, uh, do not come to work. Uh, it's an excused paid absence. Uh, we encourage them to stay home. Uh, if you have a fever at all, don't come to work. It doesn't matter if you've got sniffles or, or you've got allergies. makes no difference. Um, just don't come. Uh, and so it starts with that. The second part is really the biosanitation within the plant itself. On a very regular basis, uh, alcohol rubs uh, on tables, chairs, doorknobs. Um, you know, of course, we have a very high level of biosanitation anyway. Uh, and everybody washes hands uh, in and out, feet scrubs, uh, clean smocks, um, et cetera. So all of that stuff already existed. So, you know, we're a long ways away, you know, long ways down that path of a high level of 
biosanitation, but we just raise it to another level uh, and make sure that there's a, a limited risk of cross-contamination between shifts and between groups. Uh, and, uh, and and so, of course, the social distancing is important uh, where we can and the limited amount of outside traffic coming into the plant right. was an important step forward as well. Um, for for anybody that's working on, on the floor of your production, is is social distancing just a, a difficult thing to, to deal with um, when, they're, when they're moving product and stuff like that? Or is it something that when you've talked to them and educated about it, they can accomplish while also, you know, doing, doing what they're supposed to do? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And it's a combination of that. There's, you know, the, the reality of it is that there's impossible to have six feet between every person on the, on the floor. It's, the plant's not built that way. Uh, and so you've got to have people next to each other. It's really more of a preventative issue of, of making sure that, that people are coming into the plant clean. And so the plant is the safest place on the face of the earth. Sure. Uh, and so we don't, it's not a function of social distancing in the plant. It's really, what are they doing outside the plant and educating them uh, that social distancing is important. Uh, stay at home means stay at home when you get home. Uh, and that you shouldn't be having big parties at home, those kinds of things. That's a big part of our communication that uh, there's a much higher risk outside of the plant than inside the plant. And they take it very seriously. And, and fortunately, our, our own employees do take it very seriously and are doing a great job. Yeah. I think that's an important to emphasize, I think, to a lot of people who, who would be listening to this is, you know, the, the, sanita the sanitary levels that you guys put on for any place uh, that's producing meat right now is, is very high and compared to everywhere else that we're, we're going. So I think that's I'm glad you made that point. Um, I was I was curious, Rick, um, with your business, is there any export concerns for you guys, uh, any uh, major hurdles that you guys do or, or is it mainly just? in America that you guys are shipping things? Is there anything to Mexico or Canada um, that that will be going out soon? You know, we, we export product to 15 countries okay. uh, around the world. Um, Mexico is a big customer of ours. And, um, you know, as well as Japan, we just opened up Japan and, and it's growing. But our business, it's not that big. It's not like the beef where you have 20, 25% of it going export. We have ours is more like 5% or so. So it's a small percentage of what we do, but it's growing and we're excited to see that growth. But it really, that's not really where our concern or focus is. It really is in the domestic market and what's happening with food service and retail. Sure. Okay. Um, I, I was curious, uh, my editor mentioned that you guys had been uh, working with uh, pet food businesses as well with Superior. Um, have you seen that continue to grow and um, I was just kind of see if that was impacted at all with everything that you're going on. Yeah, our, our Superior Farms Pet Provisions Group is doing very well. It continues to grow uh, on a monthly basis. Um, and apparently, uh, people love their pets. And since they're home more, they like to feed them more treats. Right. And apparently, all of these things are essential, which I would agree. Uh, and so we're seeing a growth and uh, a spike in sales. Uh, from the pet treat side of the equation as well. So uh, that's terrific. It's great that people uh, are enjoying the time with their pets and, and providing them with treats and uh, having, having a good time. Apparently. Yeah. 
And for people to purchase that stuff, is that do they find those at a lot of the the retailers, or is it also PetSmart, you know, major pet food retailers as well? Yeah, it it really is the pet pet food distributor, or you know, key retailers like PetSmart is a good customer of ours. Uh, all the major, we're in every virtually. We will be or are in all of the major retail uh, pet uh, just, uh, retailers around the country. Uh, where we really resonate in that business is really in the smaller regional high-end uh, pet retailers. They like our products. They're you know high-quality products, uh, and uh, and so it, it kind of it, it lends itself to that. Uh, kind of uh, dis- distribution channel, if you want to call it that. Sure. Uh, yeah. So it's, but it's it's interesting because people are going to these places, to these pet uh, stores and uh, and the retail stores and, and buying product. They need to have food. They need to have treats, and so it's doing doing very well. Sounds good, Rick. Just a a couple more, and then I'll let you go. Um, first of all, I wanted uh, to talk to you. As someone, as someone who's leading a company right now, um, how do you handle uh, something like this on a day-to-day basis? And uh, is there anything that you can shed a light on right now? Because just like everybody else, we're kind of playing this a, at a day at a time right now. You know, you're, Ryan, you're absolutely right. It really is a day at a time. Every day is something different, a bigger challenge. You know, we've really stayed focused as, a, as an executive team on our people. Uh, and communicating with them and encouraging them uh, as as best we can. It, it really, at the end of the day, is about people. And so, if we can if we can focus on that and helping them be be successful and accomplishing what we need to do in this difficult time, uh, then that's really what we believe is the most important as leaders of Superior Farms. So, that's really what we focused on more than anything else. We we have a great group of talented talented people that do their job very, very well and uh, really want to do their very best for our customers and for our suppliers. Uh, We recognize the significant responsibility that we have in the lamb industry, uh, one of the key players in that industry. And uh, so it's, it's, we feel the responsibility, not just within our company, but for uh, both the industry and as well as our customers. If we focus on our people and make them successful, then all the other stuff will be taken care of. Great. Um, okay, Rick. Uh, I've, I've left. Uh, I'll just ask you one last thing. Uh, is there anything else you'd, that you'd you'd like to add of uh, about uh, what Superior is doing, or or what you guys are hope you know looking forward to for the next you know few weeks? I know we just kind of went over the day to day thing, but is there anything else you'd like for a, a parting thought on it? You know, one of, one of the unique things about our business is that Easter plays a huge role in the lamb business, right? right? Yeah. And so all yeah, of yeah. this chaos is, you know, like piled onto the Easter, you know, intensity. And so it's going to be really interesting to see at the end of the day what that does and how it all works out. Because, you know, people uh, across the nation are going to change their behavior for Easter dinner. Uh, many go out to dinner. Uh Many stay in and have large family gatherings. Neither one of those two things are going to be available. And we believe that a lot of the products that we've developed over the last several years are going to fit nicely into what uh, a smaller family gathering would be, more 
pre-prepared products or seasoned products or products that are, are more approachable by, uh, by consumers in, in the U.S. Uh, and uh, we'll, it'll be really interesting to see how this carries over and follows through in the future weeks as the behavior of uh, Easter changes. Uh, for the American consumer. Yeah, so, I'll be I'll be real curious to see. Unique. Sorry, go ahead. Well, it's just really unique to this industry because of that emphasis in Easter. Right. Yeah, I'll be really curious to to hear from you guys um, when that when Easter passes. Now, I was I wasn't even thinking about that, but yeah, that's got to be a big time of year for you guys, regardless of what's going on. That's absolutely right. It's it's it is the largest uh, sales period that we have. So. I know many of our customers, uh, we've been shipping Easter orders uh, pre that they made, you know, a month or two ago. And uh, they're telling us that they've blown through that product already. So, um, you know, that's, it's going to be interesting to see how this all shakes out from, yeah. from our customers to the consumer. Yeah. And then from the retail side, I'm sure you'll see a lot more too. It'll be, it'll, I'm sure it'll be oh. a, a big week next week now. So no, no, no question about it. It's going to be. Okay. Hey, Rick, I really appreciate the time and uh, good luck with everything and stay safe. Hey, thanks, Ryan. Thanks for your time. All right. Take care. Make sure to check out the latest stories from the magazine and online at meatpoultry.com. Also follow us on social media on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram, all by searching at Meat Poultry. And if you like what you heard, please leave a rating and review. It really helps us. All right. That's it for this time, folks. Thanks for listening and have a great day.